Welcome to the HR Lounge. Sit back and listen in as Diane and I interview HR professionals from all walks in life. We'll be exploring all things HR related. You know the ones, those deep and sometimes uncomfortable conversations that should take place, but unfortunately never really happen. Enjoy your time with us in the HR Lounge. Today we're going to be speaking to Charlie Hart, who works for one of the UK regulators. Charlie and I came together on LinkedIn. Both of us are neurodiverse and we are neurodiversity champions. And I would say that Charlie is more of a champion than I am, but um, I do my bit. We did, however, come together and had a brief chat before this meeting just so we could get to know each other. This is the first time also that Jacqueline met her. Isn't that true, Jacqueline? Yes, yes. Nice to see you again, Charlie. Hi, nice to see you too. Right, so I, I want to start off with the first question, if I may, Charlie, which is to tell us a little bit more about your career journey. Okay, so my career got off to a bit of a shaky start. At school, I'd got no idea what job I wanted to do and also no idea that I was autistic. So university didn't go well for me. I struggled unsupervised and unsupported. Everyday things that came easily to my intellectual peers seemed like such an uphill struggle to me, but I'd got no idea why. I struggled to do any coursework at all and really floundered and dropped out at the end of my first year. Fortunately, I landed on my feet in my early 20s. With no degree and very little work experience, I dressed up smart and hawked my CV around all the recruitment agencies, and I was so lucky because I got placed in a temping assignment in the HR team of a bank, helping with their extra workload that they had due to a big restructure. I didn't even know what HR was, but I loved it. I learned fast and worked hard. They gave me a 12-month fixed-term contract, so I started to get my career back on track. I went to Coventry University Business School two days a week in the evening and got CIPD qualified to associate level. I too had uh, similar challenges challenges i am um, i actually went to university as a mature student because um, i felt education was difficult for me in my younger years but yes. obviously with time I, I managed to get through so you know i totally understand that journey i was expected to go to university at 18 because i was clever and everyone saw my potential but i me and nobody else not my parents nobody saw the things that I struggle with. So it was it was really quite a wake up call. But yeah, I'm studying now, actually, I'm redoing my CIPD qualifications, Excellent. taking advantage of working from home during the pandemic yeah. to refresh my CIPD level five. Yeah, because it's been 20 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. Charlie, you mentioned that you were fortunate to go in and work for a bank in HR. What was it about the HR systems that really interested you that kind of captured you to sort of like want to further in that so that that role at at the bank that was more a generalist HR role Mm. but then I moved to the northeast and I was applying for more generalist HR roles by then I was associate CIPD but I just struggled with the interviews I think and then I saw an advert for an HR systems analyst role and I thought oh that could be my niche and I was right here was a role where I, I was able to get stuck into just the HR data systems and projects and really place my strengths. 
that was back in 2002 and I still do the same sort of role now, although I've since been able to diversify and get more involved in equality and diversity initiatives and staff, staff support networks. Oh, brilliant. That's really interesting. And I just wanted to say, just adding on to your role in HR systems, because when, when we spoke, I said to you, um, bearing in mind that you're neurodiverse, that you did HR systems, because if it was me, I would be having heart palpitations because it would send me into to a tailspin, all <laughs> yeah. that all anxiety. But it's, as we were talking, you know, being neurodiverse is it, different for everybody. It's such a broad spectrum. For instance, somebody who's dyslexic might find that they're, they're really, they've got a really good 3D spatial imagination and they'd be really good at something like architecture. Yeah. Whereas I'm much more happy with uh, with my head stuck in a spreadsheet. <laughs> God, that'd be fr- that's frightening for me. Totally frightening for me. <laughs> Could you tell me a bit more about what your role entails? Yes. So I prefer, provide direct first-line support to users of the HR and payroll system. And then I pick up a lot of the more complicated or technical queries and calculations. I produce a lot of ad hoc MI from the HR system and also project related. I get involved in a lot of projects. So, for example, the annual pay review, I get involved in the calculations in Excel and updating the system and and also with the project management. So if the timescales need to shift or anything like that. I'll be the one that's got the project plan and works out the sequence of events and, and what kind of things can happen at the same time and what things are dependent on other things happening first. I also get opportunities to get involved in EDI initiatives and the, the staff support networks. And I deliver presentations about autism and neurodiversity inclusion in the workplace as well. That's really good that you've been able to do that to yes. your diversity I just spoke to my direct team about about autism and how it affects me and why I'm different and why I struggle with small talk and things like that. Then speaking to the recruitment team about how we can be more inclusive to autistic candidates for jobs and and autistic starters as they're onboarded and then grew wider from there because actually there's quite a lot of pockets of interest in this subject out out in the wider business. Yeah. Did you find having autism a hindrance or a benefit when coming to your work, you know, in the beginning and as you progress? Yes. So in the beginning in my HR role, I didn't I didn't really understand why I struggled with some of the things that that my HR colleagues could do more easily like um say tact and diplomacy. <laughs> and I also struggled a bit with meeting behaviors, so I was really doing well. My output was really good, but I struggled to get promoted or taken seriously because I would sometimes do something like have an overwhelmed outburst in a meeting and say something inappropriate. At that time, I'd got no idea that I was autistic. I didn't know why I struggled with things like um, friendly banter with the HR system supplier. So I'd got colleagues that could progress calls more easily because they could remember where the supplier had been on holiday and the names of their their kids and that kind of thing. And I struggled with all that. Mm-hmm. However, I was really always really good at the parts of the job that involve logical, analytical thinking. And I've got this really vivid memory. So mm-hmm. I can picture what the windows look like in the HR system. And if somebody uh, wanted to ask me where to record something, I wouldn't need to go and look. I, I would remember uh, 
what what uh, what window the field was in and whereabouts and so uh, basically it's a bit of both uh, the logical analytical thinking and vivid memory makes it easy to support the hr system mm. but my struggles with tact and diplomacy and meeting behaviors have have been an issue in the past mm. since diagnosis though i've been able to explain that to the people i work with and yeah. They, they can then make adjustments to the standards of communication that they expect from me. And, uh, and we can take steps to avoid that feeling where I get overwhelmed. You mentioned about the windows, you know, you know where windows are. Wonderful. When I'm thinking about things, that's the way my mind works. So I can visualize where a certain thing is. And also if, if I've gone to a place, I may not remember the number of the door, but I'll remember exactly how it was positioned yes. and possibly what was outside. So it's quite, it's quite. That's really interesting. Yeah, quite exactly. Yeah. We're, we're in very different. Mm. We're in very different places on the neurodivergent spectrum, but we both have this uh, this vivid mind's eye, which yeah. can be really helpful. It can be. It can be for sure. Mm. So, um, what has been your biggest challenges in your career so far, would you say? So aside from floundering at university, which I've already covered, the more recently, autistic burnout. So before I knew I was autistic, a couple of times I was uh, assigned to work on two major projects at once. So uh, the annual pay review project that I talked about before, and then plus an implementation project at the same time, and so my time was wasn't even divided i was trying to do both at once and like i couldn't do justice to either and it's not the kind of thing i can do a rush job on i want to do everything right first time so with those conflicting priorities i became overwhelmed and burned out since diagnosis that hasn't happened again because i've had chance to reflect and become more self-aware i've had a look at the triggers uh, the things that lead me to becoming overwhelmed and being able to put reasonable adjustments in place to prevent that. Mm. And uh, what you were saying about being self-aware, that Jacqueline is an expert in EQ. And what she said there, Jacqueline, made me just think, hmm. Self-awareness, yeah. yeah. Self-management, social awareness, relationship management. Yeah, it's it's all relative. And once you actually understand, you can you can make the reasonable adjustments within yourself and you know, your day-to-day -day role and the, the tasks that you need to do. But also you you can understand where people are coming from, especially when you 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 talk about the sort of like the behaviors and 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 what you say in certain settings, you can reflect and say, oh, now I understand why XYZ or I had this kind of a response from this person. It's it's what I've said, it's it's how I've reacted yeah. to certain things so yeah it's, it's all relative and it's really interesting definitely and I don't think it's just the workplace either I think it extends to things like friendships and marriage oh, definitely. as well yeah, oh, definitely. definitely that awareness of neurology has saved my second marriage a few <laughs> times my husband has a lot of ADHD traits and and certain things he gets really wound up about and We've both taken the time to understand our own neurology and each other's yeah. so that we can recognise the triggers and handle them appropriately rather than just having meltdowns at each other. Yeah, that's 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 really good. And it's a really good skill to sort of like harness and hone in to, to maintain and build relationships so that there is that 
progression, but also longevity as well. Yeah. I know in what you said before, where you went into equality, diversity and inclusivity and, you know, from doing your research, you're passionate about it. What do you think that you bring to this sector by way of diversity, but also a special part of you that other people will appreciate and and gravitate towards? I'm so glad you asked this because it's my current passion and definitely an autistic special interest. Um, I'm trying to do my part to foster a culture of openness, acceptance and support, both in the workplace and on social media as well. So I'm trying to spread the message that different is okay Mm. and that we should not expect everybody to think and process in the same way. Mm. Neurological diversity in a workforce is a strength, just like biodiversity is in nature. Mm. And if you only hire and retain people who think like you, that's the best way to stifle innovation. So I'm striving to promote understanding, acceptance, support and inclusion for all those people who are different from typical, especially for me, those that are LGBTQIA or neurodivergent and quite often both, because that's a really common intersection. Mm. I'm openly autistic and openly bisexual. And I tell my personal experience stories um, both in the workplace and on social media. Mm. And I hope to inspire other people to do similar, but only if they feel safe to do so. So here's the catch. I think that only by being open about our strengths and challenges can we get the understanding and support we need. But the workplace culture needs to be right first because we need to feel safe. It's so important to foster a culture where individuals can be their authentic selves unmasked Mm. with the understanding and support that they need to thrive. Oh, you've hit every... every, every, Yeah, you've, you've spoken to our hearts because Diane and I, you know, we, we've, um, we've been part of conferences, we've spoken about things, about inclusion, diversity, you know, equity, but also being your authentic self and mm. in an arena. And as organisations move into the new normal, whatever that looks like, they need to have all of these traits. They need to have this awareness, this mindfulness and this inclusion of, you know, all the skills that will help them to progress but also take their workforce with them with an understanding and a nurturing aspect as well so thank you for sharing that that's fantastic yeah definitely you're welcome yeah definitely speaks to us in terms of Stephanie said being the authentic self when I tell people that you know I'm dyslexic they go you know you can tell that you see their eyes open you know I don't I don't see it as a big deal and I don't think I even ever did. We need to tackle the stigma don't we? It's so common I think it's about 10% of people are dyslexic Mm, and you look at Richard Branson and and Bill Gates they're they're dyslexic and there's absolutely no reason for anyone to pussyfoot around the subject like it's a shameful Mm, thing it's just being wired. Definitely yeah it's totally no big deal whatsoever and uh, like you said you know it's the way that our brain processes things that's that's the difference and that's all and you know we have to embrace our differences which is what you were saying there so um looking at your career and how you've evolved would you have any tips that you would like to share with the audience that could help them get to a place where you are because to me it sounds like you're in a good place definitely yes yeah I think it's all about finding your niche and 
also, uh, particularly if you're aware that you've got a neurological difference or a disability, not to listen to the negative self-talk. Mm. So I could have, if I'd known I was autistic when I was younger, I probably could have talked myself out of working in, in HR, thinking it's not for me because I don't do the touchy-feely. I, I couldn't be in a grievance or disciplinary meeting and say the right things. And actually, I've worked in HR for over 20 years, and I'm pretty good at it. Mm. So just you just need to find your niche mm. and, and a supportive employer. Very important. That's, that's yeah. so good. Very sound advice. Absolutely. And on that advice, I'd like to just say here, thank you so much for coming and allowing us to interview you, because I think what you bring to the table uh, to, through all our podcasts is you know, sharing your difference and sharing your difference with others. others. And hopefully uh, when people listen to the podcast, they will take all that you've said and help to help themselves to move forward. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Lounge. We hope you find our podcast insightful. Join us next time for more thoughtful discussion. And remember, you have the power to make a difference.